Hi everyone, welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Library podcast. As you know, on this show, we connect you with the brightest minds in the commercial real estate space from across Canada. And on this episode, we ridiculously over-delivered. We're sitting with the legendary Avtar Baines. Avtar Baines was the, by most, almost anybody's account, the best investment broker that Collier's has ever had. In fact, if you look on the Collier's website, it literally says in 1981, after Baines joined Collier's and is still the highest grossing broker by revenue. Uh, he would never tell you this because he's so humble, but he had a 30-year career, over 30-year career, which culminated in him leading our investment services team nationally with ridiculous, ridiculous amounts of success. Um, he, is, he is still extremely active, so his career at Collier's ended in 2012, I believe, uh, but he is right now the principal and founder of Premise Properties, which is an active real estate investment firm headquartered in Vancouver. I think they've com completed six acquisitions over the last year and a half or so. Um, he's also on the board of at least four major companies that I know of, Aspen Properties, Morgard North American Residential REIT, Peterson, UBC Property Trust, uh, potentially more. He's one of the best guests that we've ever had, especially if you're in brokerage. To me, he's like Wayne Gretzky. Um, so very excited to, for you to get into the interview. We wanted to give a quick shout out to our very first sponsor ever, KMB Law. KMB Law, they're a law practice located in Mississauga specializing in corporate real estate, acquisitions, dispositions, and financing. Now, most people have a lawyer of some sorts. They have a lawyer from when they bought their first house or when they wrote their will, if you're a little bit older. But most people don't have a lawyer that specializes in commercial real estate. And for the same reason that you use a commercial real estate broker, you're going to want a commercial real estate lawyer. These things can get complex when you're dealing with environmental issues, complex leases. So look for KMB Law. They're awesome. Uh, also, uh, a quick side note, if you're a broker, again, and you have quick legal questions, definitely reach out to them. They're a fantastic soundboard and they do not monetize every little call you make to them. They're an excellent resource for you to have. KMB Law, you can go to kmblaw.com. How you doing? Hey, after. <laughs> hey, after. Good to see you. Hi, Thanks How for you being doing? here. My pleasure. Um, we got to do a little intro thing. Uh, hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Library. I'm Damon Taminawala, you know, Sim Minocha, and today we're joined by... Avtar Baines. Avtar Baines. Lucky me. The greatest salesman... No, don't <laughs> ...that there ever was. That is... Only my mother ever thought that. <laughs> Only my mother. And everyone that I've talked to. Yeah. <laughs> written on the Collier's website. Um, but, uh, but thank you so much for being here. No problem. Um, so first off, uh, I'd love to know a tiny bit more about your background and just, um, like first off, wh where, I don't even know, where, where were you born? How did you get involved in commercial real estate? Okay, well, I was born in Victoria, BC, yeah. many, many decades ago. Okay. You're an islander. I'm an islander, yeah. And uh, I always had it in my mind, after grade 12, I wanted to play basketball for UBC. Okay. 
And that's when UBCU had a really good team, and UVic didn't have that great of a team. Okay. So he uh, went over to UBC, was on the JV team for the first year, and played varsity for a couple of years after that. And then um, my career kind of petered out pretty quickly. For those and, who can't and, tell, Abdur is not as uh, the same height level as myself <laughs> and Daylight. He's got, he's got a few inches on us. So um, that, that right after uh, my era of basketball, I think UVic went on to win like 10 or championships oh, in a row, something crazy <laughs> thing like that. They became the dominant basketball team. Mm. Anyway, so I was going to university and I got a summer job. And the reason I got this summer job is my uncle mm -hmm. was playing golf with a guy named Kelly Heed, the vice chairman of yep. Colliers today. And mm -hmm. keep in mind, this, was, this had to be close to 40 years ago now. Yeah. Right? So my uncle was playing golf, and Kelly mentioned to Uncle Swarney that I'm looking for a young gopher. They used to, not assistant, they called us gophers in right. the days. Male okay. guy. Yeah, looking for a gopher to come in and just do some running around for us in the, in the office. And Swarney said, well, you should probably ask my nephew after. Okay. So that was May 21st. Okay, May 21st. What, what year is this? 1979. Okay. On May 22nd, okay, one day later, I was already trying to figure out how to tell my parents I'm not going back to UBC. Yeah. <laughs> Because I... Oh, you hadn't graduated. No, 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 this is a summer job. This is, is post-basketball season, but still mid-university career. So <laughs> I, I get in there and I go, wow, I, I love the asset class. Uh, I love the company. I love the people. I like the vibe. Um, I thought it was perfectly suited for my C-plus average, mm. right? In those days, you didn't have to be a rocket scientist right. to get into the real estate space. Today, the standards changed a lot. Yeah, and, uh, it's not too many rockets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll explain later as we get into it. Uh, so I just, I love the platform. And I thought, this is me. Mm. This is me. This is something I want to do as a career. Yeah. And uh, technically, I didn't have the knowledge, uh, but I had the passion. Mm -hmm. And that was my introduction to real estate, was just getting this summer job and hanging out with people that were like-minded industrious, worked hard, passionate. Uh, it was a great company. Yeah. And at the time, back in those days, we did not realize how unsophisticated the market was. Right. Mm. And back then, there was no talk of IRR. Right. There was no software. How did they look at it an was, investment decision? It was, it was fascinating. Uh, there, was, there, yeah, <laughs> there was very little institutional play in the marketplace. Right. You guys are too young, uh, but in the 70s and 80s and part of the 90s, 70%, 70% of Canada's grade-A real estate was owned by companies called Trizec, hmm. Bramalee, the very famous and eccentric Monsieur Campo, Campo Corporation, uh, Olympian York, uh, uh, controlled hmm. by the ultra-secretive uh, Reichman family. Hmm. The big five banks. The big five banks dominated downtown ca uh, um, Canada, downtown mm -hmm. Canada. So the market changed. So when I got into the marketplace, it was not owned by Oxford, mm -hmm. who's owned by Omers. It was not owned by Cadillac Fairview, which right. is controlled by Ontario Teachers. It was not owned by Hoop. Yep. It was not owned by CPPIB. It was not owned by Quadreal. It was not owned by Alberta Treasury. Those names weren't even on the radar screen. It was owned primarily by the banks, 
and C-Corps. Hmm. And interestingly, <clears throat> like it's, it really saddens me. It really saddens me that you guys don't know Trizek, Bramley, Olympian York, right? They were the players. Monsieur mm. Campo, you want to read history about a real estate cat? You read about Robert Campo. You've got to read it. Okay. So his demise <coughs> was not the Canadian real estate portfolio. He built Scotia Tower right here, Bank of Nova Scotia Tower. He built Ottawa, okay? He built buildings in Macon. He just, he was insatiable. He was a weirdo, eccentric. Yeah. But he got things done. And then one day he woke up in around 1980-ish is my guess, maybe 81, but you have to check the web on that. Mm. So he decides to buy Allied and Federated. You guys know what Allied and Federated is? Okay, anyway, Allied and Federated owned probably 20%, 10 to 20% of the absolute best shopping centers in America. Okay. And he rolled the dice. He rolled the dice and he ends up with Allied and Federated. But the problem is, at the time, Prime was going from 12 to 13 to 14%, right? So 3.95 today. Yeah, that's right. But yeah. And so how can you buy real estate? Okay, and, but he had a great plan for it. Mm. it. It was just his timing was off. So uh, ultimately what happened is to pay off the debt here and there, uh, and I'm condensing a story, and a story that I'm not an expert on, I just know it at a high level. Um, lost my train of thought, what was I talking about? Oh, Campbell. Yeah. Yeah. So what, yeah. hey, what happened to the Canadian landscape, the assets in the Canadian landscape, is slowly but surely they were sold off. Right? They were sold off mm -hmm. to pay the debt that was incurred to nah. expand. So if you look at the, the, the most successful real estate entities in the Canadian landscape, it's not always the smartest guy. Mm. Like, everyone looks smart when interest rates went from 12% to 2%. Yeah. Okay. The <laughs> yeah. wind was at their back. Okay? And to a large extent, that's why I'm overrated uh, in my brokerage years. Okay. Okay. Uh, but let me explain why. <laughs> let me explain why. I caught the wave. Okay. When I got into real estate, major institutions had less than four percent of their assets in commercial real estate. Mm. Some of them, zero percent. Pensions, okay. all Pension, the all, all the big guys. Okay. And it's because, uh, primarily in my mind, and someone listening to this tape is going to think I'm an asshole for saying this. But in my mind, it was for two specific reasons. Number one, the New York investment guys didn't know how to make money off it, mm. right? So they thought, they said, oh, real estate's too risky, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And the VP of pension funds and the actuaries that work and try to match their liabilities with their assets, or so their assets and cash flow with their liabilities, mm -hmm. they all said, everyone said real estate was too risky. Indeed, even the federal government in the early 80s, uh, Ministry of Finance apparently put out a memo in the early 80s saying to these guys, be careful about going overboard on real estate. Yeah. Okay. So slowly but surely, now look where Ontario Teachers is, look where CPP is, look where BCIMC is, look where Hoop is, look where right. you know, all these guys. Now we're getting you know, 12, 15, 18, and maybe more percent on a big, bigger, a much bigger denominator. Well, and, it, and it makes sense yeah. though too, right? I mean, every month they got to pay out right. pensioners and Every month you're getting rent from a property. So it makes sense it conceptually. Makes sense. Okay. 
So what happened to change their minds? What happened? You. <laughs> no, no. What happened? We go through these economic cycles, right? right we go yeah. through these economic cycles, and sometimes their blue chips were up here, and sometimes their blue chip stocks were down here, and sometimes their bonds were worth more than they paid for them, and sometimes their bonds were worth less than for them. Right. And then the big collapse mm -hmm. of 2008 happens. The huge collapse, almost threatening the entire economic system that's been established for a hundred years, almost collapse. So. Every, all these pension funds got in trouble because all their stocks went down, their bonds went down, it was, everything was junk status, it was a very, very difficult time. Guess what asset class held its value the most and still kicked out cash flow? Real estate. Mm. Real estate. So we went through the worst economic time in most people's lifetime and real estate, uh, particularly in the Canadian landscape, not only held its value the best, but also produce cash flow on the way through. And then all of a sudden, we were no longer an alternative asset class. Right. So mm -hmm. we've migrated from a core, from alternative asset class to being a core holding in someone's uh, portfolio. Whether that is you and your family, me and my family, mm -hmm. whether it's a REIT, whether it's a C-Corp, whether it's an institution, whether it's an offshore industrialist from Germany, whether it's someone that makes textiles in China. Right. Okay? Everyone thinks that having more and more real estate in their portfolio is a good thing over the long term. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, over the long term. In the old days, people used to try to finance real estate to 75%, 80%, get as much lever as possible. And then if the market changes, the interest rate changes, you got in trouble. Yeah. Look Only at, in the old days? That's what you're dealing with. Well, in today's world, on the deals that we're doing, yeah. we're putting, like, we wouldn't even think about putting as little as 25% equity in. But you're also yeah. doing multifamily primarily. Nope. Or apartments, nope. not, not nope. shopping nope. centers. No, we're building too. apartments. Yeah. But if you, if you look at our portfolio, okay, we, I guess we, we would holdings. be 80% in the commercial space. Okay. Right. And we say we've done six buys in the last four quarters. Yep. Six buys. I think our average equity in the deal is between 35 and 36%. Got it. Right? And plus, we're not financing 8%, we're financing 4%. Right. So we're trying to take advantage of positive leverage. Can I, can I, okay, I, I'm at risk of falling. We've been all over the place. I, I, it's tough, because it's similar yeah. I could listen to you talk for, forever, yeah. but I want to make sure that we okay. get to um, some specifics, uh, and we will get to okay. premise properties and West Bank and some of these great okay. things that you're doing right now. Um, when you first got into Colliers in mm -hmm. 1979 to 1981, yeah. that kind of, yeah. uh, I, I read it, 1979, Collier's had just hit four million in revenue. Still yeah. not very much. Very small. The, yeah, yeah. yeah, so what was it like, and, and to your credit, um, you know, interest rates may have been slowly, you know, good timing for mm -hmm. you, but not everybody is known as Avatar Bain, so, so it's well, not no, everybody's no, done so well, is what yeah, I'm saying. Yeah, so. no one knew me back then anyway. So your question so, is? So my question is, as a young investment guy, how did you get started? What were you doing differently than people? And how did you get your first big deals? Okay, I'll give you a much shorter answer this time, okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I went on too long last time. Um, key is this, um, there's science and there's art form. Mm. So you have to work on both. You have to be great at both. You do. So on the science side, you've got to understand the food group that you're in, okay? 
So whether that's office, industrial, retail, multifamily, mm. hotels, self-storage, ranches, farms, whatever right. it is, right. you've got to know your asset class from a scientific perspective, from the math side. Being in investment yeah. sales, what was your asset class? I picked retail. So I mapped out all the shopping centers from Vancouver to, I think it was, maybe not as Abbotsford, probably Langley. Mm -hmm. And they say there was 40 shopping centers in those days. And then I made it my point to understand the shopping center asset class, mm -hmm. understand the tenants a bit, understand mm -hmm. recent trades, understand financing, understand who owns them, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Number two, you have to understand your geography. Okay. It's really important to understand geography because if you're picking a geography that is going backwards and is not in the path of progress, where the population is not moving to, mm -hmm. where there's no rapid transit ever going to be there, still on, working on a horse and buggy system, that's not the place to hang out because right. capital is not going to be attracted to something like that. Mm -hmm. right? So, uh, and then the third part of that equation, so you, you got to pick your asset class, you got to pick your geography, mm -hmm. and then the third asset class is to understand the capital that plays in that arena. Is it private capital? Is mm -hmm. it public capital? Yeah. Is it institutional, et cetera? And that's less than half of it. <laughs> okay? You got to know your real estate. Yeah. You got to know your geography. You got to know who the players are. Okay? That's less than half. So now I'm talking with my real estate broker's hat on. If you want to be a real estate broker, and you want to be the 20% of the, uh, the brokers that are doing 80% of the business and not vice versa, then the most important thing that you have to have is trusting relationships. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to make you and you different in the marketplace. Create a relationship with someone. Do not approach someone as if you're only doing one transaction with them. The transactional people in our business and brokerage are in and out and they're gone in three or four years. Mm -hmm. right. okay? The people that treat it as a relationship, okay, that you're going to the client. You know, the, one of the biggest mistakes I made when I started in the business is I used to phone up people and say, would you like to sell their, your property? Hmm. Well, how am I creating a relationship mm -hmm. by calling some guy up and say, or, or some entity up and say, do you want to sell your property? Right. No, you get in the car or on a bus or on a SkyTrain and you get your ass to his or her office yeah. and you sit down with them and you offer them something without them asking. You give them information about the market that they're not aware of. You give, tell them something about their property, their own property that they own that they may not be aware of. And don't ask for the order. Create the relationship. Okay? And then, less than 30 days later, follow up and say, I've got even more for you. Hmm. Okay. Give, keep giving, and keep, then we'll keep on giving. So a great story, and I hope Chuck sees this. <laughs> like I used to, when when I was your guy's age, the the group that got into uh, uh, real estate early on was Omers, mm. but it wasn't owned by Oxford then. It was called Omers, and there's a guy named uh, Chuck Magwood who built the Sky Dome. Yeah. And Paul Colangelo, who was his right hand man in the Sky Dome, Omers hired them to get start them in real estate, right? And I just wanted to meet this guy so bad. It was so, so I just kept on, when I was in Toronto, I'd knock on their door, they were in, what building were they in? Oh, I forget now. 
They were just off, not of University, they were off of uh, Bay Street. Oh, I forgot the building. <laughs> but this was like 30 years ago, over 30 years ago. So I used to go in and they're going, who is this guy from Vancouver? <laughs> 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 He's not that guy. He's Like, who is this guy? And then uh, one day I remember uh, going in and they said, well, Mr. Megwood would like to talk to you. And... Uh, it was the start of a beautiful relationship. And had you yeah, spoken before on the phone? Yeah, we okay. had, com had communicated, okay. but I was dealing with Paul, and you know, trying, just trying to meet people and create a relationship. Yeah. And one day, I was there in Toronto, and he said, uh, after, come on in, let's talk. I'm looking at a deal in Vancouver. What do you think about it? There you go. Okay. That's your opening, but, yeah? There's the opening. But yeah. it, if, I, if it had been just a phone call relationship, yeah. if it had been a relationship with me just saying, I want something from you, okay, yeah. that's the worst thing. Pretend this afternoon, even in the snow, in cold Toronto, mm -hmm. I want you two guys to go on and buy a car from a secondhand car dealer. Okay? Before you get on the lot, you know what you say to yourself? I'm not going to let this guy screw me. Mm. Okay? It's the same in real estate sales. If the counterparty thinks you're here for your interest and not their interest, how are you going to do a deal? Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. So that's why you still have to know all the math and science, okay? Yeah. Yeah. But you've got to marry it with a certain approach. People that... Uh, tackle our industry on a transactional basis and not a relationship basis are not the ones that are going to see their income consistently climb. Right. Are not the ones that are going to have a 10, 15, 20 year career. Mm -hmm. Are not the ones that are going to get branded the right way, not the wrong way. Mm. Are not the ones that are going to become industry leaders. Okay. So, and it doesn't hold that, that there's a little uh, philosophy I'm trying to explain right now is not exclusive to brokers. Right. It includes everyone in the service business. Can you imagine a lawyer, right, that didn't know how to give service? Right. An accountant that didn't? Anyone in the service industry better? That's why the, the most highly paid lawyers and the, and the highest paid the consultants in the, in the world are people that have created the relationships and with the marketplace. I think there's a really interesting quote that I've heard mm -hmm. about that. It's uh, in terms of measuring yeah. success and how some people that are leaders, true leaders in their industry do it. And, and the way that they measure success oftentimes is yeah. how many people are going to show up at my funeral and say yeah. things about yeah. me. Because yeah. that's one way too, right? I mean, if you left a good legacy, if you did things the right way, you yeah. treated people with respect, you did, yep. did things and people all around were like, wow, that was a great yeah. man, yeah. great woman. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good, good metric. Okay. Yes. Um, and, and sorry, and just to get super granular, yeah. when, um, and Craig Robbins, I remember telling me this, yeah. he said, after I would always make sure that he would tell them one thing that they didn't know. Didn't, absolutely. And, and so what, like, what are a couple examples in investment? Okay. So this is the problem, uh, the problem that you face that I didn't face. Okay. Okay. In my era, there's no internet. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Okay? And no one knew about what a trade was, what a true trade was, mm -hmm. whether it's a cap rate or price per square foot or what the tenants were paying. Now you hit a button and everything's there. Right. So it's a lot harder today to tell someone 
something they don't know about. Okay. But in my day, you can say whatever you want. They <laughs> <laughs> you could you could talk about anything. I, st okay. I still think real estate does trade on imperfect information, though. That's yeah. how that's how the market is made, right? I mean, yeah, you could think that it's sold for this cap rate, but no one really verifies like you know what's what? put on real. You know what the reality is? We, we've been buying a fair bit lately, okay? I'll tell you what the real cap rate is after we own it for a year and a half. Right. <laughs> right? A year and a half. Because we got CapEx coming in, yeah. we've got more roof repair, mm -hmm. the parking lot is uneven, uh, tenant leaves on you, you got to pay TIs for the next tenant. Yeah. I don't know what the cap rate is. <laughs> right. right. I don't know what the cap rate is. Shit. We'll tell you in a while, right? So, uh, you know, the, the, what you guys are facing is a lot different than what we faced. Mm -hmm. Going, going back to the beginning mm -hmm. of, your, of your career there though, so you had to sort of figure out who your target was. You said you chose shopping centers, you chose yep. that as your base. Yep. Were, were you finding that it was more private, more institutional, and how did oh, you sort of help? In those days, only the super time? regionals were held, held by the big guys. Kay. Only super regionals, almost every food anchor strip, or yep. what was famous in those days was the 300,000 square foot community shopping center. Mm. They, 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 it was not institutionally held. Okay. Bramalee owned a, a lot of good assets. Cambridge did, uh, Cadillac Fairview did, but that's just the cream of the crop. Mm -hmm. You know, most of the product was owned uh, locally. Um, There's some Chinese uh, ownership. Mm -hmm. uh, Ethnic-wise, there are some Indian. The, the ethnic population in Vancouver has always been very, very active in the real estate market. Yeah. Because if you come from the old country, okay, the reason you leave the old country is you don't have any land. If you own all the land right. of the village, you <laughs> would never leave. You're the king, right? But only two or three people have the land, right? Yeah. So ethnic people never had a problem buying real estate in the Canadian landscape. The first, you know, they, they got a job, they took care of the family, they paid the mortgage, and they saved money to buy some, some land. Mm -hmm. okay? That was always the core. That was mm -hmm. the core. So ethnic people had a bit of an advantage because they weren't thinking about investing in Royal Bank of Canada stock. Right. They wanted to buy they land. They wanted land, yeah. they wanted ownership. Yeah. Uh, um, can you talk, so my, my thinking is always that the person with the best system will win for, the, like that the person with has the best method of collecting data, the person who has the best machine in order to get incoming business. Um, can you talk about when that shift happened for you, when you maybe the first person that you hired or like when you started to build out your team? Okay, first of all, that's not true. Oh. It's not true. Okay. There are, I can't remember some of the biggest deals we've done, I got it by fluke. Hmm. And, and <laughs> I can remember some of the biggest deals that we lost. I had the best science. Yeah. I, ha I had the, all the, the science, 10 out of 10, right? Yeah. Yep. Right? 10 out of 10. Had, uh, we were the best person in the market to do the deal. Okay? Mm -hmm. And then what would happen is uh, Doug McGregor would swoop in from RBC, ah. uh, make a couple of false promises, and win the day. Yeah. Doug McGregor, he was Canada's best broker in ever, ever. You want someone here to come in and talk to you about real estate? <laughs> you get Doug McGregor, who's about to retire apparently oh, from man. RBC. Okay. This guy was competitive. He was smart. If you pissed him off, he'd take you down. Mm. Like he would. He held a grudge. <laughs> well, he, was a, he was a wrestler, apparently, oh, in, in university, so you, you can't screw around with him. And, but he had relationships, 
And like, there are so many deals I should have had in in my career. <laughs> still a little hot. Oh, I hate you. You're going to years, years ago. <laughs> and McGregor would come in and say, well, you know what? Maybe the bank will provide financing for the uh, buyer. And they yeah. never did. What a bunch of horseshit, right? <laughs> but he was, he was the best broker in Canada's history. I don't know if anyone will ever have his market share again, ever. He was the best. Hmm. Yeah, it, maybe in an independent uh, way I did okay, but uh, if you look at the national landscape, like when these guys, when the top 10 guys in real estate wanted the best advice of the day, they called Doug. You might, you might be the most humble guy. Yeah, that must be. No, that's <laughs> no, true. No, they, 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 he, he was just had, he had that's the relationships, though. right? He had the relationships. Mm. So, um, so how did you go about winning business yeah, well, over a guy like Doug then in that situation? I, what was your my advantage over and everybody over else? Everybody yeah. else, let's I, say. I think I was the first broker in Vancouver to come to Toronto once a month. I was think I was and the first. And you were Toronto hours as well, yeah, yeah, correct? Yeah, I was just going to say that. I was the first broker that probably got in every day at 6 o'clock in the morning. Okay. I used to love, I, this is, I used to like this so much. I'd get in so early in Vancouver I'd leave a voicemail for a guy before he got in, nice. in Toronto, wow. right? That was, I, I used to love that. That would so be, that so bad in my day, waking up, he had the office before. So, um, I think I traveled, uh, yep. and most people underestimate traveling. I don't mean just traveling in Canada. Go to San Francisco, go to New York, go to mm. Asia, go see how they do in London. It's, everybody's real estate, you, you just see real estate from a totally different lens yeah. when you're in a different country. Like some of the things they do in India, I go, how did they do that? Like in the way that they build or how? Everything, mean? where they developed, how they developed. You know, uh, we're taking a lot of creativity out of the market um, in Canada mm. because we are over-legislated. Mm -hmm. Whether it's the federal government, the provincial government, Definitely the municipal government, yeah. it's over the top. I feel like saying to the government, buy everything I got, why don't you just take it over? Question for you. But they don't want to take any risk. Yeah. I've seen it before in Vancouver mm -hmm. where someone buy a property expecting like a one year, two year timeline to yeah. take it through the process. Yeah. What are you seeing right now uh, in terms of in your, your Vancouver projects and your Toronto projects? How long does it take okay. you to get so, stuff approved? So I'm in Vancouver. Okay, yeah. I should be um, spending more time in our own backyard. Really should be, right? I want to be loyal to the Vancouver marketplace. Hmm. But certain jurisdictions have put not the sign of incentive out mm -hmm. and to attract um, capital to come to the market. They've actually put the sign of disincentive, mm -hmm. right? Because there's people waiting a year and a half, two years to get a permit in Vancouver to change your kitchen. Wow. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. They, they have their hand out. If you want to uh, develop something on Broadway or downtown mm -hmm. right now, it's how much are you going to pay us? The city of Vancouver is saying, how much yeah. are you going to pay C -C. us? So we will, and then you still wait two, three years. And right. DDCs. Yeah, that's right. Oh, man. So <clears throat> one of the reasons we bought uh, our, our last big deal in Toronto has been in Brampton, Ontario, mm -hmm. is that new mayor put out a sign saying, we are open for business. Right. We want you to come here. We know our population is going to increase in Brampton from 550 or 600,000 people to 1.1 million people in 20 right. years. Okay? It's fact. Every level of government says that. Mm -hmm. 
what's his name? Brown. He, I think he used to be your conservative leader Patrick here. Brown. Patrick, Patrick Brown. Patrick Brown. Yep. He says, bring a deal to my desk. Right? Mm -hmm. He's told his staff, we want to see deals. Okay? There's a famous story. There's a famous story. So if, if, you, if you go down... <laughs> I'm excited right now. If you go down to uh, uh, Tempe, Arizona, okay, Tempe, Arizona, okay. and you walk into City Hall, and you open the doors, and you know what the sign says? Big, big letters, big sign. We are here to help you. So weird. We are here to help you, <laughs> yeah. okay? Walk into any municipality in Canada. This is, there's no sign saying <laughs> we are here to help you. Like, you got to do this, and you got to do that, and you got to pay this, and you got to pay that, and you, you got to put the new sidewalk in, you got to put the new, like, I don't know why we pay taxes. Right. Like, everything's um, added on, added on. So, I, I think the governments have gone too far, and especially in the province of BC with the school tax. I don't know if you guys oh, have heard yeah. about the school tax and the Is speculation that the three million, tax. That's a three million plus uh, property <coughs> yeah, value. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've had family members be affected by yeah, that yeah, that really. are very, very upset about yeah, that. It's, it's, yeah, very, very it's just a wealth crowd, right? What, sorry, what is it? Just, I, I'm not as familiar. Okay, so say you had a, a home in Vancouver worth $10 million. Yeah. Okay, and a lot of people on the West Side do. Yeah. It's not their fault. And keep in mind, the owner of that home could have fought in World War II for Canada. The owner of that home very well may be on fixed income. Right. Mm -hmm. Fixed income. They just happen to live in the house where the land value has gone up over the f after they bought it 50 years ago. Right. Okay. So <clears throat> over, is it 2 million or 3 million? Over 3 million. Three. Okay. So it's 2%. So the delta between 3 and 10 is 7. And 2% on 7 million bucks is your increase in tax annually. Hmm. On, top of, on top of, on top of your regular property taxes. taxes. Yeah. Yes. <clears throat> so, you know, things like that, uh, so what we're doing in BC right now is we are giving capital disincentive yeah. to come to our province. And it's not just affecting the value of homes on the west side. It's affecting retail sales mm -hmm. of cars. It's affecting the high-end uh, guys that want to sell jewelry or bags or this or that to, to our, our, our spouses. It's hurting the yeah. economy. It's hurting the economy. It's so. They're going to see provincial revenues go down, and then they put these punitive taxes on to recover, right? So, I would like to see governments get on the same page and give some incentive. I'd like to see governments have much more responsibility than borrowing money at, the, at our expense and paying for things that we don't see the benefit of. Like, we do a lot of programs in Canada, and I don't know where we get where we can tangibly see the benefit. Mm -hmm. I think we should really be concentrating on infrastructure, markets with the best infrastructure, the best airports, the best seaports, the best uh, rapid transit, mm -hmm. the best. Those are the markets that are going to create more jobs for Canadians moving forward for the next hundred years. Right. But no politician that I'm aware of makes decisions based on what's good downstream because they may not get credit for it today. The four-year right? four yeah. cycle instead of the... You know, there's that very famous story about that mayor in Winnipeg, I don't know, 50 years ago or something. He put off the... He did all these runoffs, you know, where the, so the water had a place to go. Okay. okay. Like, Winnipeg would have been flooded 50 times in the last 50 years if this mayor didn't have the foresight to do something for the future generations. Right. Because mm -hmm. I guess they get flash floods and rains all that. 
<coughs> that's making a decision for the future. We don't have that. He had to pay up to spend money to do yeah. that. That probably, like, oh, what's that going for? Get this one. In 1986, 1986 is a true story. A totally underrated premier in the province of BC, Bill Bennett. And everyone thought Bill Bennett was premier because his father, W.A.C. Bennett, was premier in the 60s. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Bill Bennett became premier. And the interest rate was still high. And, but, and so he did two things that were just fantastic for, for BC. The first thing is he made sure that Vancouver had Expo 86. I don't know if you guys ever, you're too young, but Expo 86. I've seen put, the signs, I don't know. Put, <laughs> I don't put, know. put Vancouver was, on the map. It put okay. Vancouver on the map. It was unbelievable. And it was that year we had six months in a row of no rain when Expo was on. Okay. What it, Wait, sorry, what? what? <laughs> that sounds like a lie. Hey, Real quick. You've never heard of Expo? Expo? No, I've heard of the Montreal Expos, but... Like an Expo is the <laughs> Global Expo. It's a that goes yeah. from city to city each year. Was, yeah. Each year. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. every country comes in and puts in an exhibition, and you know, yeah. it was just... Fantastic. The only day it really rained was the day that the Queen came to her <laughs> oh, opening no. day. Uh, and I can remember them, she was with Trudeau coming in. Anyway, Expo 86 was a big thing. Google it, okay? Google okay. it, you'll know. Right. <clears throat> so, but BC needed to kickstart the economy. And because 81, the interest rate was run 18% on a demand note basis, and it was still probably wow. around 12 and 86, and, and we needed jobs, we needed to create mm -hmm. something in BC that was going to allow us to sustain ourselves. So Premier Bennett goes to UBC yeah. and talks to the then Dean of Commerce, Michael Goldberg. And Michael's a great guy, very smart guy. So Premier Bennett says to Mike, you know, this commerce guru, we've got to kickstart the economy here. Like, what do we do? Yeah. So Mike thought about it, and you're not going to believe what he said. He said, if you want to kickstart your economy, build a second runway at YVR. And Ben went, what? You want me to build another runway at the airport? Hmm. So in, I th can't remember what, Maybe uh, it was completed in 86. I think the runway was completed in 86. Immediately, like after the two or three years to build the runway, immediately, the number of direct flights from Vancouver, uh, to Vancouver, went from like 40 to 80. Huh. Oh, right away, okay. it was fully used almost. It, the, it, if goods and services have problems getting to your marketplace, they're not gonna take the hard route, right? So all of a sudden, 20, 30 different markets in the world had direct access to Vancouver. Not just people traveling, yeah. goods and services mm -hmm. yeah. getting there. Yeah. So today, I believe Vancouver uh, has a hundred, a hundred and twenty cities that have a direct flight to Vancouver. Okay? And I believe we have somewhere between 14 and 18 direct flights from China every week, hmm. from China. Everything in Canada goes it, to it, Vancouver, exactly. to China, right? So, to let me ask you a China. question. Why, this may be... <laughs> Flipping it on us. Yeah. Okay. Why do you think condos in downtown Montreal went from three, four hundred bucks a foot, maybe four twenty-five, to six fifty a foot? Porter flights? For, foreign buyers tax, I think, was 
a big thing that was mm -hmm. affecting Vancouver and yeah. Toronto and yeah. that got implemented. I think that's mm -hmm. number one. Mm -hmm. Second, Montreal was not having the same growth that Vancouver and mm -hmm. Toronto was having prior to, let's say, the past six years yeah. where they were both going through the roof. Mm -hmm. So I think it had reasonable cap rates before, so over 5% in some cases, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Versus over here, what is it, 3%? In Vancouver, it's 2.5%. But still, that's pretty good growth. Why, why did it grow 200 bucks a foot overnight? Uh, I think that in, th another flights? thing is maybe increased right. flights. From China. Ah. Do you know From that China there's flights? four there's four direct flights, I believe, you better Google it now just to make sure I'm not lying. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like I just gave a long-winded answer to something so <laughs> yeah. So they, Montreal's on fire now, right? It's a value market. Mm. But those four direct flights, when they were pre-selling those condos, the lineup that would go around the block were Chinese. Mm -hmm. Okay? And some may say, oh, they're affecting the market, they're putting value up, but they're creating economic opportunity. They're bringing new dollars into the Montreal market. Yeah, like Montreal's on fire right now. So when do you think they're going to put fire. a foreign buyers tax on Montreal? Yeah, <laughs> you know, be, but you know, I'm disappointed no, that the sure. last government didn't get reelected because they did a lot for the economy, right? Yeah, they they paid down part of the provincial debt. They had a balanced, if not a surplus, budget. They were doing all sorts of things right, and people do look at that. Like the the biggest thing about America that scares me, other than their culture, is like way uh, incomprehensible right now mm -hmm. uh, from my lens. But pr investing money in America right now, we've just sold everything we had in America in the last uh, year. Yeah. Is they've got something like $22 trillion of national debt. Mm -hmm. Like, you can't put your arms around that, <laughs> no. right? So they're living on borrowed time. And I don't know if they keep on printing money, I don't know what the solution is, but I don't want Canada to have their pro rata share yeah. of $22 trillion yeah. of yeah. debt. We've got to be more responsible. Mm -hmm. okay? And we've got to get away. The big thing at the really high level is to get away from the feeling that people in business are dirty bastards and are greedy. Okay, We've got to get away from that feeling. What? I came from a small business. And 90% of small business in Canada, guess what they're priorities are your priorities are in my family your family everyone's family the first priority is to pay wages and the second one's to pay rent right no one's making any money right no one so the people that are taking the risk to start that delicatessen mm -hmm. to start that coffee shop to start that manufacturing the public and the politicians perceive them as being greedy sons of bitches. They're, they're making money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No one's making money. No. <laughs> <coughs> People that make money could be 10, 20, 30 years. My dad was technically bankrupt twice or three times in the first 20 years of his trial agency. Right. You know, I, I just hate this attitude mm -hmm. that we're all bad guys. Uh, we create jobs, we try to create jobs, yeah. we, we try to you know, contribute to charities. People in real estate are very generous out yeah. But we have this perception, especially in Vancouver, that all oh, those greedy bastards over there. I don't like that. Uh, but yeah. Maybe you shouldn't print this part. We don't need anyone he, to come after Bans is announcing his ticket. <laughs> you heard it here first. Mm. He's not running for the NDP, yeah, I don't I, think. Yeah, <laughs> uh, no, but it, we got to get a shift in attitude. I, uh, yeah, I don't no. want my kids to 
not have incentive to take some risk in their lives. Yeah. Okay. I want you to have incentive. Yeah. I don't want every level that you have to face pushing back. Yeah. Say, you can't do this. Yeah. That's not the platform that that Canada should represent. And even yes. with like, let's say housing in Vancouver, right? I mean, they should be pushing, like that Rental 100 program was a good right. idea. They should yeah, be pushing you know, for I, stuff like that, but yeah. I'm gonna get off this topic. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Just <laughs> one comment there, okay? We've been talking about it for five, 10, 15, 20 years. Okay, we yep. could have built 100,000 units by now. But, yep. yeah. But who's stopping it? It's not us. No. Okay, uh, next topic. Um, yeah. Okay, <laughs> so we have a lot of, I just want to be cognizant of your time. We have a lot of brokers who watch this show mm -hmm. um, who go through a lot of deals. So yep. uh, can you tell us a little bit about premise properties and some of the deals that um, Avtar, we'll do this in the intro that um, for the podcast and stuff, but Avtar is the founder and principal of premise. Yeah, yeah. Um, can you tell us about some of the deals that you look at, um, some of the deals that you're currently a part of, for instance, the Honest Ed site, um, and you know, how, what should brokers be sending you? What should we? Oh, I see from that perspective. Um, well, we, we would like uh, another food anchored strip uh, shopping center okay. uh, in uh, the GTA. And why do you north and choose west? That? Why are you saying food anchored? Why do you choose that as an asset class? Obviously, shopping centers. Yeah, we don't we don't want enclosed. Uh, okay, that, that's a cabin taxes are, are exorbitant for the tenants. Um, it, it just makes it a lot more difficult to manage the asset. Yeah, uh, we want basic. I mean, what we bought did in Brampton from Greystone was great. It has a Toys R Us. It's got a food store, Ocean's Food Store. It's got a Tim's. It's got a Swiss Chalet. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's got a Pet Value. It's got a Dollarama. Like, it's perfectly suited for goods and services that the community needs and requires. Mm -hmm. So we like that. Uh, we like the population growth in Brampton, okay? But we can't compete uh, unless we get like a 200 basis point spread between the cost of funds, cost of capital, and uh, the cap rate. Okay. So what are you boring yeah. at right now typically? You know, early fours. Okay. You know, I, we haven't done a three, maybe for residential we could do a three, three mm -hmm. and change, or th high threes, but for commercial. Um, That's pretty damn good still in today's market to be going Yeah, in today's fours. market, you know, the thing is you gotta watch you guys carefully. Because there's a fee here and there's a cost there. <laughs> <laughs> How much did we pay? Oh, you got 40%. Oh, I did, did I? Oh, yeah, yeah, wait, yeah, I got 40. It's actually 415 or 422. Yeah, you know, right? That's funny. So, so it's, uh, um, yeah, we, we want to grow that. Uh, and then uh, through Deepak Dewan at Light Point, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, we have a wonderful platform with him. He's just a great guy. Yes. Super real estate guy. Feed him infill sites. Quick. He's uh, a very quick responder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's Great. really yeah. good. Um, he knows his stuff. He knows what he's prepared to to act on. Um, decent guy, smart guy, good family man. He's got it all. He's yeah. got that kid's got that we're well, not a kid. He's got it all. Yeah. And we're very, very proud of our relationship with him and proud that he's our partner in, in Toronto. Yeah. And then um, uh, I don't want to make honest says it was a big deal. Mervish Village is a big deal. It's around a million square yeah. feet. It's 800 plus units of residential. It's 100% rental. Yeah. 100%. No condos. That's, yeah. Um, we have around 220,000 square feet of commercial. We've done uh, three pre-leasing deals right now and we're going to stop. We're, we're not going to do any more pre-leasing. 
but I don't want to mislead anyone. We are such a small player. I own like one piece of paper on, on that deal. That's primarily West Bank and Peterson, mm -hmm. and I'm involved in uh, six or eight or nine or ten deals with them. So wow. I came in on a very small basis. Yeah, I mean, to build a close to a million square feet, you know how much that costs on a price per square foot basis. Um, so that's over my ski tips. Uh, but it's a lovely partnership. We all get along very well. And how um, many projects have uh, groups like West Bank and Peterson done over here? Obviously, the two of the biggest players well, we, in Shangri-La. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we, yeah, we did Shangri-La and Mervish, and in yep. and Vancouver did the Vancouver Shangri-La. Yep. Uh, Woodwards. Uh, Fairmont Pacific Rim, which Back is rim, yeah. the place to stay at Vancouver for and sure. And has the best girls at the uh, lobby bar. It's just a great asset. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, we did Woodwards. Uh, we got a couple of small deals together. Uh, we did some debt deals together. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's been great. It's been great. And that's the, the common denominator. That, that's a common denominator for people that feel... Um, that they can be proud of what they've done. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. The common denominator uh, is uh, having that relationship, right? Having a relationship that's sustainable and you can grow and you can move forward without every five minutes ever looking at, right? Actually, not every five minutes, never looking at the cornership agreement, hmm. right? You look at the cornership agreement, you've got a problem, mm -hmm. right? You got the issue, you sit down and you talk about it, okay? And the other thing for me and most people, and even the toughest guys in the world will say this, and they, they may not acknowledge it, but they'll say it. What makes the journey more fulfilling is the relationships. Mm. When I look back at the 30 years I had at Collier's and some of the uh, deals that we sold and the volume that we did, I don't think of the deals. I think of the people that were on my team, mm -hmm. the people that we dealt with. Right. That is what you remember. You remember mm -hmm. that. Like, my wife spent the money already. Right. <laughs> it's, right. it's not the money. I'm sorry, Mark. I didn't mean that. <laughs> like, I don't mean that. But it, you need that, uh, some capital to, to take the next step. There's no question. But it's not what I remember. Hmm. Um, just to, do you have Go ahead. No, it's okay. Uh, I was going to ask. I have a million questions. Yes, so well, we gotta seriously. Be, you got to be cognizant. Give me a couple of real so. quick hitters. Quick um, hitters. Okay. If you were just starting in the industry right now, uh, what, what, what advice would you give to yourself? Um, when I started in the industry uh, in the 80s, first year of sales was 81. Yeah. They used to line you up on a, on a, in a row. And they say, look to your left, look to your yeah, right. They still do that. Right? In, in two years, only one of you were going to be there, right? Yeah. In today's world, it's fantastic. The, the standard is higher to get in. You have to be university educated. You have to do this, that. You have to be speak the Queen's English. You got to be from a good family, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, very right. tight. Right. But the prospect for a long-term career in real estate, a lot of the risk has been eliminated. Hmm. Okay. Real estate... Uh, at least in the Vancouver lens, would be a third of our economy. All the lawyers, all the accountants, all the tax guys, all the assessors, all the environmental consultants, all the brokers, all the legal assistants. Well, you, it's a huge part of our economy, okay? So now, 
it is a platform for a career, not hit and miss. Right. So don't forget that. But also don't forget, if you want to be that top 20%, okay, and there's mm -hmm. a lot of good and valid reasons to be up there, okay, you've got to work. Yeah. Okay. No one. Sure, send that guy from upper, or girl from Upper Canada College. And tell them to sit down there and say, you have a card. I did this, I did that in my past. No one cares. No, right. one, give, yeah, no, no. one gives a damn. Yeah. No one cares if you're purple or brown or yellow. No one cares. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. It's what are you going to do for the client hmm. ahead of your own interests? Then you can have a wonderful, wonderful um, long-term career in real estate. Next. Um, is there anything, sorry, Senator, Go ahead. Is, there, is there any, um, so you're an advisor, trusted advisor to, I'm sure, possibly hundreds of companies, but yep. of them, Morgard, um, no, sorry, what is, North Residential, am I getting that right? North, uh, North American North, Residential North, REIT. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, North American Residential, um, and UBC as well. Right? UBC, I was on Aspen Properties, British yep. Pacific, Peterson well, Group, yeah. Is, is there anything <laughs> that you'd like us to, or our audience to focus on in terms of those things that we should pay attention to or? You know, you know see, I'm glad you raised that because you would think being on five board of directors that the meetings would kind of be the same. Yeah. Nothing alike. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Every single company has their own priorities. Yeah. Their own way to doing audit. Mm. Their own way to think about strategy. Their own way to think about succession. Like, if I gave you the board minutes for five different companies, all in real estate, all in kind of the and yep. you go, well, there's nothing similar here on these <laughs> agendas, right? right? It's amazing. It just proves, it just proves that it's not one model. Mm -hmm. It's not one model for success, okay? You, you start at A and you want to end at B, okay? You give the assignment to 10 different people. All 10 will take a different path. All 10 will take a different path to get here, okay? Right. And that's why the, the creative side, the relationship side, makes all the difference in the world. Everyone with 85% average working on it, okay? They know their math, they know their science, they know the market. Right. But who is gonna go from here to here more efficiently? Mm -hmm. So if you can navigate that process as a broker, okay? Whether it's the debt side, the equity side, whatever side it is, okay? You're looking at, if you can navigate that and make it efficient, streamlined, win-win, people still talking to each other at the end of the day, mm -hmm. mm. no death threats, right? <laughs> then you have created an invaluable service to the marketplace, an invaluable. And when that happens, you're not gonna believe it. They start calling you. Your cold calling days are almost over. No. <laughs> no. When, they, when they start calling you, when the market says, because look at, if, if I was gonna hire someone today in Toronto, yeah. okay, I go to people that have hired others, they, who did you deal with, who was the best? Right. You want your clients being your best advocate. Yep, well, referrals are everything. Repeat, everything okay? repeat and referral is my number so one. So what happened to me so is I was sitting at my desk and I was catching stuff sometimes, just catching it. It was right. lobbing right in here. I just yeah, think, right. come on here. <laughs> because, <laughs> because the marketplace was saying, if you're gonna do a deal in Vancouver, yeah, you should probably talk to after. He's yep. a reasonable guy. And, 
C plus average, but he's okay yeah. and he gets yeah. it done. Right. Really. But no one cares about the C plus average. Yeah. They care about yeah. what you're doing every they, day. They care exactly. about. Are they putting my interest, the client's yep. interest, ahead of their uh, of my own? Right. Yep. And the answer is yes. Yep. You can trust me, right? Yep. So that's. Uh, but you know, I can't think of any space in Canada where that's not the case. Mm. It's not yeah, just real estate, right? Yeah, it's just a life model. It's a, it's a, it's a life it's, model. It's, it's real estate might be the place where people are most likely to go in the opposite direction, though. It, it can, it, and that's because the they see the commission, yeah. they see yeah. the fee. They see, yeah. yeah. Question for you, quickly mm -hmm. here. Uh, obviously, we run a podcast. We're doing videos. Mm -hmm. We're doing LinkedIn posts, and we like to stay informed through reading materials, etc. What are the sources of media that you sort of take in to get a full understanding of the marketplace and keep informed on what's happening? I used to read. But yeah. now if I read for 10 minutes, I fall asleep. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like so you're going to send us to the podcast for <laughs> yeah. So po podcast, um, no, my, my biggest source of information yep. is from your generation. Like I have a team meeting twice a, twice a day. Yep. And it's Justin or Jordan or Vanessa or whoever right. is on okay. the team meeting. They say after this is going on. You keep your eye on that. Okay. Okay. So I'm not a web guy. I'm not an internet guy. I'm not a social media guy. You're using right. the human capital around you to, yeah, to yeah. keep informed. Like yeah. on the planes, going back and forth all the time, wherever I go, I used to read the newspaper. I don't like doing that on the plane anymore. Right. Right. So it's really the young kids. Yeah, uh, like a light. Uh, yeah, it helps. <laughs> well, you got you to get, get them to start listening to a podcast yeah. Yeah, so they yeah, can yeah. start getting this insight, yeah. although they hear it every day. But on, even on Air Canada, now, when I came in last night, I didn't watch a movie. I, I look for the documentaries mm -hmm. and, the, and the podcasts and stuff like that. That's, yeah. They're interesting. Yeah. yeah. Really interesting. Um, do you, should we do three truths? Do you have anything else? Or? How much more time do you have? Five minutes? Sure, sure five. Okay. Well, let's, do, let's do a few. I want to know more about some of these ones here, too. Okay. Yeah. Are these quick hitters? It's quick. Quick. Last one's a little yeah. bit. Okay. So uh, we talked about systems quickly there and how you said systems are not the answer, relationships are the answer. Yep. For someone that is young and using a system still in terms of tracking and stuff, how are you how are you doing that before and how have you transitioned that? What systems are you using to help you <coughs> assist with your relationship building okay. and, and assist you with your skill and, and knowledge build? So I gotta go way back in time. I did yeah. it by hand. You track it, by hand. I did it by hand. When I started for the first uh, almost 10 years, yep. we, I tracked it by hand. Hmm. Wow, okay. Yeah, by <laughs> hand. And I wrote it on the index <laughs> card and filed it away. And, have you, and do you, obviously, you probably don't do no, that anymore. No, now the young kids tell me. Oh, they, so they, they follow up. They, 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 they know yeah, what yeah. the proper timing yeah, is. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Um, favorite transaction ever? Hmm. That's a tough Janu one. No, no. January 22nd, 1987. Okay. So 999 West Hastings, the day on building in downtown Vancouver for $55 million. And it was the first deal I was involved in that the market said I did something positive. Hmm. Up to that time, they said, well, John McLernan did the deal. Right. Or they said Tony Grieve did the deal. Right. Or they said Bill Bolby did the deal. My, my partners, right? Yep. <clears throat> so January 22nd, 1987, we sold day on building for $55 million, which unheard of in those days, yeah. unheard of, that would have been 220 bucks a foot. <laughs> Downtown wow. Vancouver. Wow, yeah. Sounds like the... And, and that, that deal, cost. it wasn't my favorite deal to do, but it's my favorite deal for memory because yeah. it put me on the map. It branded me as this kid actually 
contributed to the success of this transaction. Yeah. That right. was probably your first, was that your first momentum builder? No, no, we did bigger deals than that before what, that. But what was your biggest momentum builder then at that, I guess? Momentum deal, deal was... How did you know you were like, okay, I'm ready to go here um, and I can do this, I know what no, I'm doing. Like, when we did the Lansdowne deal for $80 million in 1984 or 85, um, no one knew I was really involved. Momentum builder was probably mm -hmm. Hong Kong Bank of Canada building. Uh, April 1989 for 130 million. That was probably the one that was like, woo, right? <laughs> Back then, too. Yep, back then, um, yeah. Um, okay, I think we should. Next. Yeah. Um, okay, so this, this is our final question. Okay. Uh, it's called The Three Truths. So imagine, yeah. a little esoteric, but imagine uh, years from now, uh, you live a, a long and beautiful, and by the way, we haven't even mentioned your family man, father four, father four. Four, right? four kids. Yeah. Yeah. Can we bring that up, by the way? Talk um, about that at all? Um, we, got, we got five more minutes. Well, this this will kind of this okay. will kind of. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so um, years from now, imagine it's your last day, yeah. and you accomplished everything that you ever wanted to accomplish. Yeah. Uh, you have all of your kids and <laughs> grandkids around you, and yeah. it, was, it was a wonderful life. Uh, but for whatever reason, everything that you've ever written, put out, um, or you know, every recording of you has been erased, and. Now, uh, your family and the people who love you and your friends are wondering if you could put down uh, three notes to, on how to live life and how to... <laughs> three notes? So yeah, three, three truths. Th 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 three truths on, okay. on, on how you think about life, work, uh, real estate, anything you want. What would those three... They could be sh as short as This is not a short answer. It can be a bit longer. Well, I got to keep it short because okay. then I'll go on forever. Yeah. You know I talk too much <laughs> on it, right? Uh, three things. Um, Family first. Mm. Don't do anything that's going to make your loved ones lose faith, lose face. And I'm not a religious guy, um, but I um, say try to walk in a straight line. So family first. Don't embarrass people. And walk in a straight line. Okay. Excellent. Do you want to expand on any of those, or? No, I'll start crying. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to cry. Oh man. <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you being on. Uh, yeah. Was, had lots of fun. That, that was more fun Thanks. than I thought it was going to be. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Hey, this is the end of the podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we hope you enjoyed that one as much as we did. Uh, we have a lot more fantastic episodes coming up. If you don't want to miss one, please subscribe. And also, it would mean a great deal to us if you shared it with one of your friends. Of course, only if you thought the episode was awesome. See you soon.